Welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to have your company. Can I say up front, thank you. The download figures are incredible. The podcast host site, Wooshka, uses my podcast as an example of what's possible for cottage industry podcasters to reach their target audience when they love what they do, they engage with their listeners, and they celebrate together the content shared. I'm a little humbled and very chuffed. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. It's a pilgrimage. And if you're new to the podcast, thinking of walking, do it. Best of all, on the Camino, your pilgrimage, right here, right across the world, you'll find a community ready to accept you, to nurture you, mentor you, and support you. It is, in one word, magic. Buen Camino. Someone said to me this week, I'm having a really bad day. And I said, can I help? Is there something I can do? She said, no, it will pass. Tomorrow will be better. And I couldn't help thinking, I must tell that story on my podcast this week. It will pass. George Harrison saying, all things must pass. And I'm hopeful the future brings for all of us a future of light and love. You know, I love the great philosophers, in particular icons I grew up with. People like Charlie Brown. And Winnie the Pooh. Let me share a little story of two of my favourite characters. Today was a difficult day, said Pooh. There was a pause. Do you want to talk about it? asked Piglet. No, said Pooh after a bit. No, I don't think I do. That's okay, said Piglet. And he came and sat beside his friend. What are you doing? asked Pooh. Nothing really, said Piglet, only... I know what difficult days are like. I quite often don't feel like talking about it on my difficult days either. But goodness, continued Piglet, difficult days are so much easier when you know you've got someone there for you. And I'll always be here for you, Pooh. And as Pooh sat there, working through in his head his difficult day, while the solid, reliable Piglet sat next to him quietly swinging his little legs, he thought that his best friend had never been more right. The world is having a difficult day. Pilgrims are always there for you. Always. I met this week's guest when I toured the United States in March this year. He struck me as a man with a big heart, a big today, and an even bigger tomorrow. John Thoreau is on the line from San Diego. Welcome, Pilgrim. Great to be with you, Dan. I want to start with your Camino journey. How did you learn of the Camino? And you might then tell us about your various pilgrimages. Wow. Well, actually, probably 10 years ago, a friend of mine put together a hiking trip in Scotland from uh, Glasgow to Fort William. And I went and I loved it. About six days of hiking. And then the next year, uh, my best friend and I walked Hadrian's Wall. Once again, six days, loved it. And then the following year, we went to Bavaria and we hiked King Ludwig's Way. Once again, six days. And I found that my worst day hiking was the morning I woke up and I wasn't going to hike anymore. Mm. Yeah, that's fabulous. And so I said, I need to find a longer walk. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So 
I started researching, and you know, there's there's one in England. It's about 200 miles, just you know, walking across the white part of the country. Um, but then I read about the Camino, and it just really caught my eye. And so, with no information at all, I um, uh, in 2014, I just got on an airplane and flew to Spain and got to Saint Jean and started walking the Frances. And uh, that was um, seven summers ago. And for six summers, I've walked uh, Caminos. I've got 15 complete ones and bits and pieces of others. And, uh, it's, uh, and I've also volunteered as a hospitalero in four different albergues. And so you might say I'm hooked. <laughs> so when you say that you've done 15 Caminos, but only over seven summers, do you sometimes head to Spain and do two at a time, do two in a summer? Two, two or three or four. Wow. Um, one, one summer, Bernie and I, we walked three together, and then I had a friend join me from San Francisco, strangely enough, and, um, and then we walked uh, just Santiago to Finisterra and Muxia together. So that was four that particular year. Uh, yeah, I usually walk a couple every year. So, it's um, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. How does the Camino then resonate in your day-to-day life back home in San Diego? Hmm. Well, probably, if nothing else, I have always I always have something to look forward to, and because um, I know that the Camino is always going to be there. Well, not this summer, but yeah. <laughs> otherwise, it's going to be there. And uh, so uh, it, it just kind of helps keep me focused and, um, and, I don't know, maybe just mellow in a certain way. You know, I can't help thinking that um, we don't need a lot of possessions uh, and the pilgrim's life is a simple life, nothing but a few things on your back and away you go. We, we don't need possessions to make us happy, do we? No, not at all. In fact, you know, I've been retired for quite a number of years now, 11, and um, I find I'm happy in a pair of shorts and a T-shirt and occasionally shoes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in minimized my life. You swim a lot. What is it about swimming and the peacefulness of the water that you love? Well, you know, when you get in the water, you take away... Uh, some of your senses immediately, your sense of smell, uh, your sense of hearing is gone. Um, your sense of sight is restricted. And so um, with that, you can really just focus on what you're doing in the water. You know, when I swam competitively for years and I coached for years, and so for me, just getting in the water and working on my stroke and trying to get a nice rhythm in, it, it, it becomes kind of a, an exercise in Zen mm. to just, you know, stretch it out and walk, which is which, quite honestly, when you're walking the Camino, a lot of those days when you're walking by yourself um, and it's real quiet and you're in a, a beautiful countryside uh, with either crops or forests or whatever, and it's very easy to get into um, that Zen mode uh, when you're on the Camino. 
Which I'm, I'm sure is one of the reasons I really like walking or sauntering the Camino. Yeah, yeah. I read a lovely quote the other day about sauntering. Sauntering such a great word, isn't it? Sauntering. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking the time that I've talked here many times about slow tourism and, and walking to the beat of your heart, being lucky enough to have the time to spend yeah. six hours or eight hours just walking. Yeah, yeah. So it's fun. Your, your body gets into a rhythm and and you just don't, you're not tired anymore. You just keep on going and uh, you could do it forever. Sometimes it seems like I have. Yeah, yeah. Just we talked a minute ago about possessions. I just wanted to ask one further question. I can't help thinking we are enough. You talked about shorts and a pair of um, a, a favorite T-shirt. If we are enough, we ought to be enough to make ourselves happy. But society tells us, John, doesn't it, that we need more. Yeah, well, I haven't listened to society for a long time, so um, I'm, I'm not caught in that particular trap. Um, then how, I'm, I'm pretty, how, how do you scary. then how do you how do you partition yourself from that? It's everywhere. You know, um, wake up, try to make uh, every day a little bit better day. Do help somebody. Do something for someone. That's how I wound up with my with my new dog. His his owner is in drug rehab, and he needed someone to foster him. So now I've got this fifteen year old husky. Mm-hmm. It's just like something you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be nice. Yeah, be, be nice. Not that hard, is it? But when in twenty twenty, really, it's mu- it's much more difficult to petition yourself from all of that noise around us. It's social media, it's multimedia, it's just mass media, it's everywhere you turn. Particularly in the current environment where we're cloistered, we're sort of stuck at home um, and we're really relying on the media to tell us what we ought to be doing or not doing. So it's quite an achievement, I imagine, being able to sort of shut out that noise. Yeah, to a certain extent, of course, you know, we have a gigantic dumpster fire going on over here, and uh, that'll be over in about 11 days, and we'll see what the next four years will bring. <laughs> a giant dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's been kind. <laughs> I mentioned in the introduction the great philosopher Winnie the Pooh, and he makes so much sense. Well, his friend Piglet does too. But I read somewhere this week that if we are prepared to accept we know little about life and about love, well, about everything, we can begin to learn. Is there a sense, John, do you think, that the Camino was a learning journey for you? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, uh, In the immediate sense that being exposed to people from um, multiple uh, different cultures, I mean, I can't read half my Facebook anymore. It's it's in nine different languages. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that, that immediate being able to see how people around the world live, much like you do, is um, it's really it's, it's quite a bonus. And, and you know, also um, one of the things about being on the Camino is, you know, when you meet with different people, you um, sometimes you run into people who are having a really difficult time. And um, there have been a couple of times 
where I've uh, sat up all night with a uh, with a pilgrim, listening to their story, and usually just listening is enough. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell that it still means a great deal to you. Oh yeah, it does. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Listen. When, when someone leaves a, a note um, for you that says, "Thank you, you saved my life," oh. it means a lot. It does mean a lot. How how can we be better listeners? Do you think? Uh, well, listen. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody wants to. Um, jump in and share their own story. And, and so sometimes you just got to sit there and give all your attention to somebody, especially if, if they're working through something. You've got to realize that they really need to talk. And uh, it's just not, you know, idle chatter, but it's, you know, they've, they're touching some very delicate subjects. So it just when you realize that, just shut up and listen. You know, you mentioned a minute ago getting up each day and trying to be kind. I can't think of a a more generous thing to do than to listen. Yeah, that's what people need. They need someone to listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fantastic, actually. Uh, I can't help think, what's the husky's name that you've you've taken in, the 15-year-old husky? Well, his name's Jackson. Jackson. He's a sweet boy. I, I brought him to the vet today because I have no idea what his health is like. If he, he's got a, his rabies shot and all that. Uh, we can't get the records from what we think might have been his last vet. But, uh, yeah, he was a, a $525 uh, charge today to get him checked out. Oh. But I think he's been neglected for a long time. So Jackson. Um, I bet Jackson's pleased he now has someone to listen. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't listen too well, though. He's pretty much deaf. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you something. You've, you've done now over the last seven summers lots of Caminos. That's lots of footprints um, on your journey. Do you think the Camino is for everyone? Yes. Hmm. Um, I almost think that it's, it should be a requirement for um, elected leaders to have to do one yeah. on their own without, you know, people taking care of them. Just go totally um, incognito and, and, and mingle with the rest of the world. I guess the king and the queen of, and if I get this country wrong, I apologize, of Denmark walk the Camino every summer for a week or two really? with their family. Right. And uh, it's nice. Yeah. yeah, it's nice to think that somebody would be so grounded in such a role. That's nice. It's reassuring, isn't it? Because It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could all learn something from them. You're part of the San Diego chapter of the American Pilgrims on the Camino. And what do you tell people to expect when they head out on the way? Wow. You know, I, I think 
from my experience doing this for the past year or so, year and a half, I guess now, most people are, are really mostly worried about the technical aspects, about where am I going to sleep and, you know, how long should I take? I love it when somebody says, how long will it take for me to get from Pamplona to Santiago? <laughs> and the answer is, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Only you will know yeah. when you get there. Um, so I, I think it, people tend to focus more on the immediate problems, but I think once they get there, um, and, and they, they, after the first few days, they get into the rhythm of walking and they start recognizing fellow pilgrims and, um, and, and, and they realize that it's not as scary as it seems that, uh, they really start appreciating the, the finer details of, of the Camino the uh, significance it has in, in walking in. You know, I, I remember walking in 2016 and coming home thinking, oh, I've got, I've got to get back there. I've got to get back there. And so I was back the following year and walked with an old friend of mine and he said, um, what should I expect? And I said, well, if you can, kind of try and live in the moment as much as you can. And he kind of rolled his eyes, you know, because he didn't really sort of picture me as a, as a new agey kind of guy, somebody who'd, yeah. sa- who'd say something like that. And then I remember having a beer in uh, the Plaza Mayor in, in Madrid at the end of it, um, six weeks later, and he said to me, I wish I'd listened to you. And I said, oh, what, what do you mean? And he said, I wish I'd lived in the moment more. You were right. It, it, it's a very important aspect of it, isn't it? It is, yeah. You have to, um, I think you just have to open yourself to be receptive to what's going to walk across your path. You never know what's going to happen. And, you know, my, my first Camino when I did Frances, I think is a, is a great example um, because I think about my fourth or fifth day in, I met Patrick and Justin. Oh, I'll push you. And I walked with them for, oh, probably six or seven days. Had a great time. Um, just, um, you know, helping them solve the logistic problems um, and uh, just, in general, being supportive. Uh, Patrick, bless his soul, had taken on so much he was going to burn out. So it was good that he had a lot of help so he could finally... Uh, relax and uh, maybe enjoy the trip a little bit more. You know, what's one thing if I'm listening now and I'm wondering about my Camino and I'd like to live as much as I can in the moment, what's one thing I could do, do you think? What's something I ought to think about or consider to live more in the moment? Um. God, I'm trying to think outside the uh, the uh, restrictions of the virus. Um, I don't know. Just don't sweat things. Yeah. Um, don't uh, don't honk <laughs> your horn <laughs> at people. You know, uh, just take a deep breath and accept the fact that other people have have their own problems they're dealing with, and then and then let it all go. Don't let it upset you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and don't go nuts when someone wants to open the window in the albergue. 
<laughs> I'd be one of those. <laughs> tell us about the role. No, open the window. Yeah. Tell us about the role of hospitalero. Um, what inspired you to do that? What what motivated you to give something back if that was a motivation? And and thirdly, uh, did you enjoy it? And would is it something that you would do again? Oh God. Um, yes. Um, I the first three summers I just walked and I walked a whole bunch. Um, Bernie walked with me one of those summers before I was a hospitalero. Um, and, uh, and, uh, it was, it was great, but I figured, you know, three summers and it must've been, I don't know, five or six or seven Caminos by that point that I, I thought, and they were all different too. That's the nice thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I've tried to do, except for Finisterre and Musia. I've tried to do different Caminos every year and pretty much have. Um, so, um, yeah. And, and so I figured I had a lot to share. So I took the tra- training and, um, uh, my first posting was in Zamora, which is an absolutely gorgeous municipally run, um, albergue in, in Zamora, um, a world, uh, heritage site for the most, um, Catholic churches per square foot in the world. <laughs> wow. Something like that. Yeah, it's just amazing. I mean, you know, you go to into a center and there's a church on every corner. It's just great. And I was lucky. My my co-hospitalero was on his fourth shift, uh, you know, fourth time as being a hospitalero. So he was real good at training me. Didn't speak a word of English. Wow. Um, he learned two words by the end of our thing. It was, they, they were, come here. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we got through with, um, with hand signals. And, and plus, we both were pretty much on the same wavelength. And that was just wonderful. And the people I met, and, and you know, and then again, you know, some problems we had to solve. There's so many, uh, when you're running in albergue, there's uh, hard and fast rules you follow Mm. but then again there's no qualified adult supervision Mm. there's me you know yeah (laughs) and so sometimes you look at things that are happening and you just go well i can do this Uh, a good example when i was in france badon uh two summers ago i was there for a month by myself best month of my life and um so uh, one thing I hadn't had to really deal with before were people showing up with dogs. And so the first time it happened, there was a young woman with, with two dogs, and I was able to turn the entranceway to the chapel into a nice little secure place for her, threw some mattresses and blankets and pillows out there for her. And, uh, well, actually, they were for the dogs because she ended up coming inside and sleeping inside, and it was great. And the dogs were exhausted. But then the next couple of, of events were uh, women that came in with just one dog. And they're all ready to go sleep someplace else but their dog. But what I decided to do was take the dogs into my room and let the women have a normal Camino evening. You know, with dinner and everything yeah. else and not have to worry about their dogs and sit outside and everything else. And it was nice breaking the rules that way. So, yeah, Although I don't know if I broke it because I think officially they weren't really in the albergue. They were in my room. 
<laughs> but you, you'd need to be flexible pretty much all the time, wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 I can't imagine rigidity is something that necessarily resonates too much with pilgrims because everybody's different and everybody has a, a different circumstance. And I suppose the hospital era has to be the same. Um, and, and just for my listeners, if you're wondering, uh, it's a couple of times now John has referenced Bernie. That's Bernie Bonar, and he is uh, episode 82 of my Camino, the podcast. And Bernie was the one who built me the ukulele, which is right here with me. <laughs> so there you go, yeah. in the studio with me. You know, a- a- America, in many ways, is a culture built on dreams for hundreds of years, families, indeed pilgrims have made the most of that culture to live and to breathe their dreams. Is the Camino a place where all of us can go to fulfil a dream? Yeah. And, and you know, uh, building you the ukulele was uh, Bernie's <laughs> way of just, um, I don't know, doing something for the Camino. Yeah, yeah. And uh, putting it in your hands. No. Of course, you know, um, and for those of you out there who don't know Bernie at all, Bernie is um, a master ukulele builder. Yeah. His um, ukuleles are concert quality. This piece, of, this instrument here is so beautiful, so perfectly made, so wonderfully weighted and so gorgeous. The sound is so spectacular. Friends of mine, old musicians come to my house and pick it up and go, oh, my. And I say, yeah, yeah. How good is it? And we all play it. We pass it around and we play it. It's just fantastic. I just love it. I, yeah. love, it. I love it so much. It's such a great thing to have. And I don't want to be someone who's sort of all about possessions, but it's so beautiful because there's so much love in it as well. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, hey, and he, cu- he cut scallops into the body for you, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah. The the, uh, the the scallop shell is is in the headstock, and the sound hole is a scallop shell as well. It's magic. Yeah, it's yeah. Magic. You, it's magic. It's a beautiful piece of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I play it all the time. <laughs> I just love it. Good. And I play it at gigs. I'll, I'll play it tomorrow. I'm playing a gig tomorrow, so I'll take it with me and I play it. And people go, oh, oh, look at that. And, and you know, it's it's fun. They love it. They love it when you pull it out and play it. It's awesome. Hey, John, do you agree with this? The Camino and pilgrims, to me, in some ways represent the best of humanity, the best that people can be. Would you agree with that? I think so. And it's not just the people who walk the Camino, it's the people who live there. The everyday storekeepers and hostel um, owners and and everybody else um, that... uh, deal with uh, pilgrims every single day of their lives. Yeah. And, um, and are just so outgoing and just so caring and so helpful, you know? Yeah. 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 And I think the, the common denominator being the pilgrimage means it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, how much money you have or, or, or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, you're just a pilgrim, right? Yeah. 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 Unless you're in one of those buses where they carry your bags ahead and they set up a table for lunch and bus you to a hotel afterwards. Yeah. The Torregrinos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw one of those tables of uh, sandwiches out one day and thought, that looks fantastic. 
but it wasn't for yeah. me. That's not for me. Indeed, I remember a night in Molina Seca. Um, actually, no, now I think about it, it wasn't. It was Portamarin, Portamarin. Um, I had rested my guitar case up against the wall in a cafe and a dog walked past and peed on my guitar case. <laughs> He, he didn't. He didn't know that it wasn't just a guitar case. It was my life for those six weeks. But I remember thinking, "See, Dan, you're not as important as you think you are." <laughs> and I think yeah. we're often, aren't we? We're not responsible for writing our own story, are we? No. It's uh, the characters that join you that uh, write the story for you. So, why don't you tell us a Camino story? Um. Okay, well, I, I do have a few, but you know, one um, that particularly touched me was uh, two summers ago in Fonse Badon. And normally, um, the town has four private albergues and a pension, as well as the um, uh, the religious albergue that I was volunteering at. And, uh, and and normally it wasn't a problem. People would come in and they'd look at it. And it was Donativo. So, I mean, it was bare bones, yeah. although I did cook them dinner every night. Dinner for 28, no problem. Oh, Anyhow, yeah, I'm, uh, I can do that. Anyhow, um, so, um, but one night in particular, it was really strange. Uh, the town was sold out. I mean, there wasn't an empty space anywhere. And, you know, most people finish walking two, three, maybe four you know, um, if they sleep in. But a lot of people, like me, um, I'm done by noon, you know, because I'll, be, I'll hit the road at 6 and, and, and press on. But anyhow, so at 8 p.m., there's a knock on the door, and there's a woman standing there, and she's looking for a bed. We don't have one. We're, we're full up. I just don't know what I'm going to do. And so she says, well, I'll just walk to the, the next um, albergue, and hopefully they'll have a bed. And I'm thinking, well, the next albergue is five kilometers, and you won't get there probably until close to ten. Mm. And um, and there's no guarantee you're going to find a spot there. So I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with her. And there was this um, this young German guy who was standing there in the doorway. And he said, you can have my bed. He said, I'll sleep with my wife. I'll share the bed with my wife. And, and gave his bed away. That's fantastic. <laughs> How lovely. How wonderful. And you're standing there with a big smile on your face saying, this is why I'm giving my time and and my energy to this enterprise, this exact moment. Yeah. yeah. How wonderful. How fantastic. I'm going to come back. They didn't even have to ask anybody. They just yeah. volunteer. The, the, one of the nice things about uh, running um, an albergue, especially <clears throat> Fonse Badon, because I was by myself, and there were supposed to be two of us, and it's only supposed to be for 15 days, and I was there for a month. Because uh, my relief couldn't make it, and I didn't want to close down the albergue. So, um, but every night um, I prepared dinner. It was, you know, pasta uh, for 20, up to 28 people, sometimes more. Sometimes pilgrims would come from other albergues 
and donate and sit in on dinner with us. Anyhow, um, but the, the nicest thing was uh, when the dinner was over, I, I had to step out of the way because they <clears throat> they would literally fight <laughs> over who washed the dishes. <laughs> That's so great. I got to tell you, you do not want to screw with Korean women when they want to do the dishes. <laughs> They'll never find your body. <laughs> no, it was great. That's great. And, and it made it so, so interesting. And so after I got everybody um, fed and cleaned up, I, I went down to the local restaurant to have something other than pasta. <laughs> And I'm sitting there, and people knew that's where I went every day after I finished cooking dinner. I'd go down for about an hour, have something to eat and a beer, and then come home. And um, so, anyhow, I'm sitting there one night, and the phone rings, and um, uh, one of the owners, Jose, I think, said, hey, it's for you. (laughs) Okay, so I'm sitting in a bar in this town, population 22, in Spain, and I get a phone call at the bar. Okay. (laughs) That's when the universe is really focusing in on you. (laughs) As as it turns out, the German guy who gave up his bed also uh, left a a very um, high-end water bottle behind and wanted to know if we could ship it ahead for him. And so I'm, I'm talking there with the owners of El Chagu, and uh, he's calling ahead. He's calling the, the, the different, uh, you know, bag-carrying services to see what they could do. Because now this is a couple of days. We were going to have to send it about three days ahead to c- catch up with them. And so um, we're going through it, and we figure we can't do it. There's there's no way. So it was going to be sent it to the general post office in Santiago with their name, and they could hopefully find it in Santiago. Well, as I found out when they were going to hit Santiago, it turned out they were going to be there at the same time I was. So I let them know what albergue I was staying at. And uh, they came and they picked up their, their, um, their little cooler. And uh, so he got paid back for being a good guy. That's he got great. His, uh, he got, he got his, his cooler back, yeah. That's great. And, um, That's great. So, yeah, what goes around comes around. Absolutely. That's such a great story. Yeah, well, that but, was nice. Yeah. And um, such a nice couple. They yeah. really were. What do your friends and family make of John the Pilgrim? Compared to John the Idiot. <laughs> uh, Don't say that. Well, you know, I've talked a lot of, I've talked a lot of people into um, doing the Camino. Um, Bernie was one of them. There's, there's a, a bunch of others here in San Diego and friends up in Santa Barbara and Seattle. A lot of different people who are doing the Camino because, you know, they, they see my posts on Facebook and and – what I've really enjoyed about that whole thing is, you know, and you've experienced this because you get out first thing in the morning. It's like 630. The sun's just rising. It's dead calm. There's a little bit of fog in the air. So 
and and then you take a deep breath and you get the, all the the smells of turned earth and and vegetation and trees and everything else and you see the light kind of glittering through the branches and so um so how do you describe that well yeah. so i i found that uh, i would use my time on facebook to try to um put into words the the feeling of some of those special moments on the camino and it's made me a better writer and um it's also made me look at things a lot closer so i can remember the details yeah do you have a favorite place on the camino you know, I'm, I'm going to just say Fonse Badon because I was there for a month and I loved it. It was challenging. I was supposed to go back there this past June, and, of course, that got canceled. Um, if we can go back next year, I'm going to go back. Um, I have a really great relationship with Raphael, who uh, manages it for the, um, uh, the, the parochial uh, side of it. Wonderful guy. He doesn't ask you to do anything. He just lets you do your own thing. But then again, I suppose if you're doing a good job, that works pretty well. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah, yeah I think I just, I, I love the small village. I, I love the fact that I got to know so many of the locals. I mean, you know, I, I could walk down the street and uh, many of the locals who knew me by sight and by reputation would, well, you know, you know, say Bonitias and, you know, everything else. And it would be just great to feel accepted by uh, the town like that. Yeah. So it, it was a, an exceptional month. And I imagine it's experiences like that that help you keep that string attached to the Camino <laughs> and why it's current for you, not just simply a chapter in, in your longer book. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I think Fonse Badon is going to be a, a regular stop for me every every summer from now on. Um, you know, I'll saunter a bit. And uh, <laughs> the nice thing about uh, Fonse Badon is that it isn't part of the little cabal of albergues where everybody's had to have training to be a hospitaller and all that stuff. I don't think that Raphael really cares as long as he can open the place up. <laughs> and so this past June, I had two of my friends who I've walked the Camino with, um, both of them, one from Texas and one from Puerto Rico. And they were going to come and help me for a week each. And that was just going to be great. It was going to be like a party because I love, I love both these women. They're just great. And, uh, and, and yeah, I'm really sorry I missed this year. It was going to be yeah a great time. Yeah, lots of people feeling that exact same emotion. That's for sure. Hey, John, what's the first thing that comes into your mind when I say the following words? Okay, here we go. Santiago. The first thing. Happy pilgrims. Ah, albergue. A really comfortable home. Cafe con leche. I don't drink that stuff. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, bunk beds. Bunk bed. I hate the top bunk. <laughs> oh, really? 
I'm 68. Getting in the top bunk is a pain. <laughs> and one last word. What, what's the first thing that comes into your mind when you think of the word hospital at all? Angel. Oh, wow. Tell us another Camino story. Uh, so I was um, at another albergue. I'm not going to name it right now. It was a large one. And um, so, and we were understaffed. There were only three of us for 170 beds. Anyhow, so pilgrims were coming in, and it was one of those weird times in Spain where, like, you know, it's supposed to be hot and sunny. Instead, it's cold and rainy. Mm-hmm. And so people are coming into the albergue, and uh, they're sick. They're getting colds, and they're starting to get, what, pneumonia or something like that, or bronchitis. So uh, most of them anticipating much warmer weather, packed light, and they didn't bring a sleeping bag. So they were freezing their butts off. And But we had a stack of blankets, and I was giving the blankets out. But then the priest told us to stop doing that. He said, well, um, the pilgrims will get bed bugs on the blankets. Well, if that's true, then the pilgrims will get bed bugs on the bunk beds too. So, you know, which was never a problem. We never had a, a bed bug problem. And then he goes, well, no, you know, the... The blankets may have bed bugs in them. I'm thinking, I've got a stack of 25 pill, uh, blankets outside my my door, and they might have bed bugs in them? Excuse me? <laughs> so we sat down one night towards the end of my, my tenure there, and um, I, I told, I was talking to the priest, I said, we need to give these blankets out. And he goes, well, I don't think so. And I said, you know, and he, he gave the whole bed bug thing. And I said, so I'll tell you what, and, and this is where I made my mistake. And I, I will admit it up front. I said, number one, you can have um, Javier bring all of these blankets to a cleaner tomorrow and have them sterilized so we can use them. Number two, I will take all the blankets tomorrow and bring them to a cleaner and have them sterilized. Or number three, I'm going to throw them all in the trash tomorrow. Which one do you want? <laughs> and he said, we'll take option number one. Um, I, I'm sorry, this, this story has a sad ending because he lied to me. He never did use those blankets for the pilgrims because I've been back there, check with other hospitalers that have been there. And for some reason, he had this thing about the blankets. Anyhow... But I think what was really almost, almost put me off of, of the Camino and being a hospitalero was there was another hospitalero who, when I told him this story, said, you're only a volunteer. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I paid to fly 5,000 miles and spend 15 days working for free you know, so obviously my opinion isn't worth anything. And that was really discouraging. And, and you know, sometimes you're, you're going to have those Debbie Downers on the, uh, the Camino. This guy was an American who um, 
supposedly had a lot of experience uh, being a hospitalero, and I don't think he got it. Anyhow, so, uh, yeah, that was one of my, um, that was my probably bad Camino experience. Um, and it wasn't that bad, really, because, you know what, I still gave, um, I still gave blankets to um, the people who needed them. He, he never stopped me. Uh, and that was one of those times where there was this young woman who stayed with us and, you know, she was getting sick. And the next morning she got up and she walked 5K and she called her mother and said she was sick and she needed to come home. So her mother booked her a flight and she came back to the albergue and said, can I stay again? And I said, yes, no problem. And and she said, can I get a blanket? And I said, definitely. So that was one of those thank you, you saved my life moments. Yeah, yeah, gosh. I mean, I, I, I can't help thinking sometimes it's so strict and I guess it's a much stricter now. Um, and I guess we all just need to sort of take stock and things will get back to normal soon, uh, I hope, although I can't. that's probably not likely, but... What's one thing, given the, your experience, what's one thing you'd say to the pilgrim community, something that you say to remind yourself that better days are ahead? Um, wow. Well, uh, one thing, and I'm, I'm thinking back as my, in my role as a hospitalero, because all four places I stayed at were Donativo, and um, I think the thing I like to tell all the pilgrims is that money ain't going to be any good when you're dead. So don't leave three or four or five euros, especially when you're getting a meal and a hot shower and a clean place to sleep. You know, yes, those places are being sponsored by cities and by churches, but, but damn it, help them. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Help them. Yeah. Give when you can and what you can. Yeah, not as little as you You know, you think. one thing that um, has been on my mind over the last couple of years, there are, oh, maybe 17 or 18 countries now that have um, done the training to be able to have their volunteers work in the case there. Yeah. You know, and so we're talking hundreds, maybe thousands of volunteers have been trained. And so we have 12 or 13 albergues that are part of that that system. There may be more now, but it's, the, you know, the Confederation of St. James. Yeah. And you know what? They have no standards. I think that the Confederation should go through and say, well, if you would like to be an albergue, you need to do the following things and look at some of it. And, and some of it is just little tweaks, like maybe giving people blankets. Um, um, but it's, it would make, I think, the whole albergue, at least for the, you know, the donativos, for the one to get volunteers for hospitaleros, I think it would make it more consistent and it would make it easier because um, you don't have to learn a whole new set of rules because of the attitude of the local authorities. I've been, I've been lucky, except for that one, that one time. Um, 
both municipalities and, of course, Rafael and Fonse Badan were wonderful to work with. Wonderful. You know, when I was in um, Grado, uh, Milo was the municipal guy who took care of us, and he always did a thing. Uh, during your second week volunteering there, he had people come in to run the albergue for you, and he took you out and showed you around Grado. And that was an amazing feeling Yeah, to have that kind of specially guided tour. Yeah, wow, how fantastic. What do you think St. James himself would have made of all of this? Hmm. I think he would have been puzzled by how modern it is. I mean, you know, now if um, a lot of pilgrims, they get someplace and there's no Wi-Fi or Wi-Fi, um, <laughs> uh, they're upset. It's like, you know, put away your Wi-Fi for a night. Go sit in town and talk with other pilgrims. You know, look at a cultural display. God, that's one thing I loved about Santiago is that you could walk around a corner into a, a tiny little courtyard and it would be half a dozen guys with guitars sitting there playing and singing, yeah. you know, and, and other people up and dancing to it. And it was just part of their culture, you know, and I, I really loved that. Yeah, experiencing as much of that culture as you possibly can, I think, is as much a part of the pilgrimage as any other part of it. It really is, yeah. What yeah. I always liked, because um, God knows I've, I've spent a number of days sitting in the um, Cervantes Plaza there, uh, watching all the uh, pilgrims that come in and they've got like uh, 200 yards before, 200 meters before they get down and get to see the full cathedral and they're in the big square there. I love sitting there, nice and warm and dry, with a beer, and there'll be a bunch of us, and we'll just sit there and we'll cheer for everything. Why? Because we know what it's like yeah. walking first time, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you have no idea what you're going to see. No, I know. And, and the excitement of, of finishing and then the great emotional roller coaster that follows. You know, it's. It's one of those. Yeah. But you do take it with you for those first few days, first few weeks, and carry it with you on and on. Um, and that's oh, yeah. we're so blessed to be able to do that. And so it gives us, you and I, a reason to talk across the other side of the world. It's wonderful. I know. It's just wonderful. It's amazing. Have you got one more Camino story for me? Uh, let me see. Maybe my second summer hiking, I ended up hiking – with uh, a couple of German women. Um, oh, God, I'm going to forget their names right now. Um, anyhow, and so we got to be good friends. And then, um, you know, um, I keep in, char uh, in touch with one of them on Facebook. And so a couple of years later, all things being equal, um, I ran across them in Santiago. Didn't know they were there. They didn't know I was there, but... You know, there we were, and so we sat and we had a drink. And um, <laughs> and so then they knew from following Facebook that I was going to be in Fonse Baton, and they were walking through it when I was going to be there. So I was really looking forward to seeing them 
and um, and they showed up, and it was great, and it was just an amazing thing to see them for the third time after all these years. You know, two women from Germany and me from California meeting in Spain. Beautiful. Yeah. Anyhow, so we took a picture together, and after the picture was taken, uh, one of the women looked at it and said, oh, my God, you're wearing the same shirt you did five years ago. (laughs) (laughs) And I went back, and damn, she was right. It was one of those really good, you know, athletic material things from I got for free from a half marathon. It was gray and it was long sleeved and it was perfect for hiking in because it stayed cool and and kept the sun off your arms. But it was so funny that she remembered (laughs) after five years that I was wearing the same damn shirt. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's a great oh, story. And, and one, one more kind of good story, really yeah. short. So I was um, walking. I can't even remember which which uh, Camino it was now. It might have been Primitivo. No, it was Norte. Anyhow, so I met um, uh, this woman and her son, and they were hiking together. And so I, I got to meet them because they were hiking as fast as me, which is unusual, uh, at least back then. And uh, so we're sitting and having lunch, and I'm saying, I really love this Spanish food, but it's really not as spicy as I'd like it. And you know what? That night I got back to my bunk because we were in the same albergue, and there was a bottle of Tabasco sauce on my pillow. (laughs) The pilgrims are so fantastic, aren't they? They really are. They really are. It's just little things like that that really can make your entire day. Yeah, that's right. An entire day and and you take those stories with you. Indeed, John, you and Bernie and Leslie Boner were incredibly kind to me when I was in San Diego earlier this year. Seems a lifetime ago now. But I wanted to say thank you. Um, Thanks for everything you do for your community and for pilgrims in your circle, because I think they're blessed with a wonderful team of mentors. And thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, this little podcast from all the way around the other side of the world in Southern California. Thank you for your time, brother. Yeah, it was it was my pleasure. Anytime, and we really enjoyed hosting you. Um, it was such a treat. It, it really actually it helped our membership numbers too. Oh, great! We found a lot of people who'd done the Camino that weren't part of the group, and because they knew Bernie, um, we we kind of snagged them up. So. Yeah, it's been it's been good, and, and and hosting you was great. I wish I didn't chicken out and 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 not go to the gathering now, because um, I, I I hear well I saw uh, some videos of your performance and you were exceptional. So that's very uh, kind. I'm sure of I you. missed that live. <laughs> well, we'll catch up again when the world gets back to normal. In the meantime, Buen Camino. Buen Camino, Dan. My guest this week, John Thoreau, one of the leaders of the San Diego chapter of American Pilgrims on the Camino. Wonderful people, sharing and caring and making a difference to the lives of others. They give their time, their scholarship, their love, like Winnie the Pooh, or in this case, Piglet. Today was a difficult day, said Pooh. There was a pause. Do you want to talk about it? asked Piglet. No, said Pooh, after a bit. No, I don't think I do. That's okay, said Piglet, and he came and sat beside his friend. What are you doing? asked Pooh. 
Nothing really, said Piglet, only I know what difficult days are like. I quite often don't feel like talking about it on my difficult days either. But goodness, continued Piglet, difficult days are so much easier when you know you've got someone there for you. And I'll always be here for you, Pooh. And as Pooh sat there working through in his head his difficult day, while the solid, reliable Piglet sat next to him quietly swinging his little legs, he thought that his best friend had never been more right. Stay strong, we'll get through this together. And if you get the chance, swing your little legs. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. I often heard that kind 